With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I am the Rock Out of Podcasting, Charles McFall. Coming at you again live on Facebook. So this is how we do it now. I am recording live on Facebook. And as you know, if you've heard anything about Facebook before from what I've talked about, there is a little bit of setup that has to be done after we go live. So I want you to hit those shiny buttons, as Laura DePooter says. I want you to hit the like, the share, the hearts, the everything else as I get this thing up so I can see the chat going live. Uh, and before I introduce the man who is with me, who is always with me in spirit, and sometimes he's with me in person, like today, I'm going to turn that down. To see the chat. Oh, God damn it. I turned it down and it came back. <laughs> Facebook always tries to get me. But Mike Woodard is back in a virtual studio. How you doing, Mike? Hey, what's going on for you? Um, this is, uh, it's been a couple weeks, hasn't it? It's it's been I'll think a few more in a couple of weeks, but that's been all my fault. Uh, but yes, yes, it is it is uh, good. And and you recently moved, and that move is as just like my digital move has brought new life into what you do. Your your physical move is going well for you, right? Yeah, it's uh, um, I used to live in northern uh, northwest Arizona and pulled up stakes and moved to Mississippi. So I'm down on the Gulf Coast right now. Um, I'm with family in uh, Biloxi. So, and love and life, man, this is, uh, it's a little damp. It's a little more damp than I'm used to, but, but I'm living with it. It's, uh, no complaints here. Awesome. Awesome. Now, for those of you who don't know, Mike Woodard is my producer for everything that I do. He's the producer at large over at Giant Size Team Up Network, giantsizeteamup.com. He produces many of the shows there, and that's the network that I run with my great partners and friends, Paul Klotz and Brian Ibbett, and you can check that out for all kind of geekery. Now, here, here on this show, the Rock Out of Podcasting, it's motivation, it's my life, it's my stories that I want to tell. And it's a little bit Tony Robbins, straight to the point, going to tell you what I'm thinking with some Kevin Smith naughty sauce, right? I'm going to use my my four-letter words. I'm going to get graphic. I'm going to be funny in a dirty way sometimes. But it also has the Jim Swilly truth-telling and the soul-searching where you really just dig into what you want. And you may hear a little air in the background and stuff because it's hot in my basement. And I've got my fan on and those kind of things. But that's how we roll sometimes. So today... Mike, let's bring it back to how we were doing it. You have a question. We have a list of questions, and you're going to ask it to me. Now, here's how you get a question to me. Tag me on Facebook. Just post something to at Rock Out of Podcasting on Facebook. Twitter's at Rock Out of Pod. Hit me there. Uh, the, the website, rockoutofpodcasting.com. YouTube, of course, is uh, it's actually Charles McFall on YouTube because that's who I am. And uh, email is rgop at charlesmcfall.com. We're going to get that out of the way every time at the front of the, sh the show because uh, as people tune in, they don't always get to stay live. And this is recorded in front of a live studio audience or a live internet audience. So you can tune in live. But I don't know when or where. 
Last week, it was Monday afternoon, and I was able to put up, hey, I'm going to do this in a little bit. Today, about an hour ago, I hit Mike and said, hey, in 15 minutes, I want to go live. An hour later, here we are. So that's how it's just going to go. You can subscribe to the podcast. It's rockoutofpodcasting.com, and the podcast is on iTunes and everywhere you want to be. So with all that being said, Mike, what is the question today? Well, um, I'm going to start out with, uh, first of all, asking for more questions. We do need to get some more questions in here uh, for two reasons. Our, our, the, our existing list is starting to run low, uh, so we need an influx of questions. But we're also coming up on episode I, I, 50. We're less. I, wait, wait. I'm just saying, I'm looking at you, Phil Ramos, and you were sending in some good questions. And Chris Wisdom, you guys were sending in the questions, and you just stopped sending the questions. So, you know, hit me up. I'm just saying. Just, just saying, man. And uh, like I said, we're coming up on that 50th episode. And uh, what we want to do, if we can make it happen, is to do a rapid-fire question situation. So as many questions as Charles can possibly answer over the course of one show. Um, no question too small, no question too large. So send them in, hashtag them, questions for the Rock God of Podcasting, or however else uh, you think it'll it'll take to get uh Charles's attention got all kinds <laughs> of social media uh, email available to you and Charles will let you know towards the end of the episode how you can reach out to him so today's question is uh, I'm gonna pull this one from a previous episode every now and then Charles will uh, he'll be running uh, running hard on a topic and suddenly he'll stop and go oh wait Mike uh, uh, make a note and then he'll throw a topic out and then move on with the original topic so this is one of those when you uh, when you're cruising through life and your forward progress hits a wall, um, what do you what do you do to get around that? And and how do you how do you find happiness with life in general when you find yourself just gently knocking your forehead against that wall, trying to trying to move forward? How do you how do you deal with that, man? Uh, huh. That's a that's an interesting thing. How do I, how do, wait what? Somehow I posted to myself on Facebook. I really wish I could turn on my volume. How did my face come out? I think that might actually be Carl Dodge or somebody. I, that's Oh, maybe he's a manager on the side. I commented myself. This is so surreal. I have commented to myself on Facebook that I wish I could turn up the volume to hear it because I just joined in to look at my beautiful face. I'm like, wait, what? who did, who's that? Uh, that's weird. Uh, so, okay, yeah, you know, as Morning used to say, what, slowly chasing monkey, and then and, and, uh, I was going to make a joke on, on at his expense, but I'm not going to do that now. This is something I remember just saying off the cuff a while back, and then actually Phil Ramos, some, you know, who I called out earlier, he, uh, he mentioned that, uh, or actually he made like a meme of it, where it was this motivational poster kind of thing. And I was like, that's, that's pretty cool, man. It, you know, had a quote and, and cause you know, everybody should know I, I'm really highly quotable and you, you should quote me all the time, uh, specifically in, uh, fuck you pay me and <laughs> stuff along those lines. Uh, but no, I, that was one of the things I said, it, it was just a moment I had. So yeah, that let's go back. See, this is how this works is I take this story and I go, okay, I'm going to go back or I take the question and the topic and I'm going to go back and tell some stories and get to what I'm learning about it and really dive into what I mean. Because I believe storytelling is one of the best ways to learn. It, it lets me be funny, which I like to be, and laughing helps you learn and those kind of things. So uh, 
I remember one of the first times really hitting this concept was after I'd left my paramedic career and I had uh, become uh, an office monkey, right? Somebody who, who wanted to hang themselves. I didn't have to wear a tie, but if I had to wear a tie, it'd choke me to death every day. And I had this cartoon, I think, put up on the wall. I'm trying to remember what it was, but basically it, it was a taking something from the wild and putting it in an office and killing it type of deal. So let me actually let me back up there. So as an EMT and paramedic, I came into that field wanting to be a rock star, wanting to be a musician and, and a, a, somebody who does stuff with music and influences the world that way. And found EMS to be a great schedule for that because you work one day on, two days off. I could pick, choose to swap with somebody. I could, within reason, pick my own schedule as far as what day to work, uh, as far as like A shift, B shift, C shift, those kind of things wherever the need was, but it's a pretty easy schedule. So I knew I'd always have two days off and I could protect those and, and have band practice and work on different things. It worked, it worked really well for my marriage at first because as we were getting used to each other, we're, we're not on each other 24-7. <laughs> well, in the good way, we're on each other 24-7, but in the, the bad way, we're apart from each other as couples need to be to truly adjust to living together with somebody else. Because that's, even as roommates, that's an adjustment. So to have my wife work a Monday through Friday job, and then to have me work a full 24 hours away, but then two days home, she's gone some of the time, and I have time to myself to do my things. I'm gone some of the time, and she has time to herself. I've talked about this a couple of different times. So that's a great schedule. Well, in the life that I led, in the path that I took, I was unable to pay my bills on that, and I had to put my family first. That actually goes into a whole – I'm not going to go down this rabbit hole right now unless unless people on Facebook ask for it because that's how you can actually shape the show is follow Rock Gotta Podcasting on Facebook, subscribe to the show, whatever or whatever it is that you do on Facebook to get that moment to go forward. You can do that, and it'll let you know that I'm live, like Laura DePooter and Nicole Spencer are both here uh, today watching – and uh, that's, that's how they knew I was live. And so there you go. And, of course, I'll share it to my personal page. But if you're not my friend, you know, whatever. You can just follow the page. And you can ask the questions. And I am watching the chat. And if it's valid, you know, obviously I actually have it for YouTube. I'll pull the chat up on the, the recording, recorded screen and those kind of things. So I am... I, I was working EMS, had the schedule to where we'd have all this time to go to movies. It, it felt freedom. It felt like freedom, except I wasn't paying my bills. And for many, many years, I said my family was first, but they really weren't. They, the, the dream was first. I was immature. I was a bit of a child. And I wanted what I wanted. And I was going after it. Now, as a visionary and a dreamer, and then being somebody who was damaged and immature, those two things can clash. Those two things kind of have a, a hard time working together because I always see a bigger picture. I always see somewhere where we're going, where I'm going, that other people can't see. So there's that, but then it mixed with the full-on belief in what I see that I would do stupid stuff like buy a bass guitar for 100 bucks for, for my brother-in-law to play who, if he's a real – I mean, he, he's, he used to be a bassist. He was he could play the bass. But if you're a true musician, you own your own gear. And that was not a concept that I was fucking putting in my head. So I just bought it for him without asking my wife, which was a really dumb thing to do. So all that being said, 
Couldn't make progress there. I was hitting my head against the wall. So I finally just had this revelation moment of I had to file bankruptcy. I had to put food on the table for my family. I had to be happy because instead of instead of the concept of you can't find pro- if you can't make progress, if you're unable, maybe is a better way to put it. If you're unable to make progress, find happiness. Instead of that concept, I was well. If I'm going to be miserable, I might as well make money for my wife and kid. I only had one kid at the time, Oakland. And so I said, I might as well take care of them. Now, the reality was I realized I'd been failing my family by chasing this dream. Because from a business standpoint, you have to work to make money, period. Now, there's a little bit of that in EMS, a little bit of a flip side to that in EMS. Of EMS is needed. You're paying for in personal insurance, basically, by saying, hey, we're going to put our tax money or whatever money towards paying somebody to be there on an ambulance and ready to go if something happens. And I worked in a, a smaller county, so the pay was less, but the work was almost non-existent sometimes, which is a good thing in EMS, right? If you're busy in EMS, it's mostly because people are hurt or sick, or you know that's the 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 vision of it. I mean, the reality is people are just calling nine one one. Sometimes they're hurt, sometimes they're not. So I was embracing that lifestyle of being able to play my video games all the time being able to watch whatever tv i wanted all the time within reason uh because then uh, then there wasn't so much there was internet but there wasn't like hulu Uh, i didn't really have the ability to stream everything i wanted to stream then i mean netflix was just dvds so that's what i did i'd bring in dvds and watch them on my xbox with headphones or whatever Uh, uh, or you know on the dvd player if my partner wanted to watch it as well but it, it just wasn't where it is today. Um, but at some point, even in my head, I went, this isn't, get, this isn't getting us anywhere. Because I'm barely paying the bills. And actually, I wasn't paying the bills because I didn't have enough money. I wanted to only have one job because I did want to have that time with my family. Because many, many people in EMS and public safety work two full-time jobs. Because that's sometimes what it takes to pay the bills. Now, I also wasn't living smart. I hadn't discovered Dave Ramsey at the time. wasn't working on that yet. So I was bad with my money on top of it. The bottom line is I wasn't taking care of my family. I was embracing a lifestyle of play and do whatever I want and this and that and the other. So I got to the point where I realized I, I actually have to be serious about taking care of my family. And because of the, I think universally too, because of the path that I took, of knowing about being destined for greatness, wanting to change the world with my words. I had discovered podcasting at this point in time and just knew where it could go inherently, just knew it's the next big thing. It really is going to change how media is done. And because of podcasting, I believe that's why YouTube changed because there are people who are just attracted to doing video and it grew to what YouTube is now to where people are creating content all the time. Facebook now today, I mean, you talk about, I was doing podcasting when Facebook was the original bullshit version that was horrible to use, that really was just designed to be a dating hookup thing at Harvard or wherever it was, at whatever school he was. I can't, I think it was Harvard, but I don't remember. I saw the movie. It was fun. It was cool. And it just kind of grew on its own. And it, and this version of Facebook that we have today came about two hours, two two hours (laughs) it came about two hours after podcasting no it came about two years after podcasting really was going and became a social media thing right myspace was out there facebook changed to compete with myspace and now it is what it is 
and even going live on Facebook, doing video, doing the shows on Facebook, that's only been a year or so in the making. And this is, I mean, 2017. So you're talking about, I've been doing this since 2004. I mean, you're talking a long time now. So I was trying to chase that dream and figure things out and said, you know what? I'm a fucking failure. And I was because of the choices I had made. And I need to focus on my wife. So I shut down music because that that exploded in a horrible way. And I lost gear. I lost money. I lost what I considered friends out of it. I lost my very close connection to Nicole because she was the drummer in the band and we were always doing stuff there. Uh, I got rid of podcasting because I got rid of all distractions. Basically, I said, I've been making every bad choice I can make. I've been selfish. I've been a horrible husband and a horrible father, and I am going to change that. And I jumped full-time into an office job, and it did change. And it made it to where bills were being paid all the time with money left over. Excuse me. It made it to where it made it to where my wife was happy because she knew the paycheck was going to be a minimum of something that could always pay her bills. But a lot of times it was over that, and that made her happy. We were able to buy fun stuff for my kid. We were able to afford to have a second kid and plan for that. Uh, we were able to just do life, right? We were able to breathe for a moment, and I found this new life that I didn't know existed of no struggle, right? There, there's there's no real physical struggle here. There's no, I mean, money's coming in. All I have to do, I'm a rock god at work. I'm a legend everywhere I go. I am a rock god of podcasting and everything that I do. So within mere months, I'm outpacing most everybody, but I understand all this other stuff that goes on. I mean, I understand the IT. Just just to give you a specific small example, I worked in an office with 17 people in my department. Now there's other departments going on. But in those 17 people, there were two top scanners. Well, I became I replaced the second top scanner, became number two in the office pretty quickly. And became somebody to depend on. I also, in my own blunt style, because I don't put up bullshit, right? I don't, I don't, I don't say anything that, that, I mean, I don't, I, I, I bitch about things, right? A doctor would want blah, 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 and I'll hang up and I'll be mad. I'm like, it's not fucking life and death. I mean, this is a thing that takes 24 hours. So I had a way of speaking that endeared people to me because I wasn't mashing them with my bluntness. But I have a way of speaking just truth. On top of that, I learned everything. So I learned I, how the IT in our department worked all the way around. So instead of having to call IT, they usually just asked me to come over to their desk. I'd fiddle with a few things, get them fixed. Perfect. I actually learned the department next to me because I was bored and could do that. So in that first year, you know, I become this this legend. And so there's no struggle, right? I, I'm I'm the Okay, being the king at work is not exactly right, but I am I am happy in my life at work. And I am happy at my life at home. But I'm miserable at the same time. And what what, what that was where this concept when you if you're unable to make progress, find happiness because at some point after I'm learning, I'm learning, I'm learning, I'm learning, six months hits. And this isn't the first year that I was ended up being seven years with this company. So in the first year I was there, in the first six months, I'd learned everything. And I'd become this rock out of, of ultra scanning. You know, I'm rock out of podcasting. And now I'm miserable because I see no future. 
right? Because, okay, do I want my boss's job? Okay, sure, I could do her job. That's the point. But then beyond that, where, where do I want to do? Where do I want to go? This is how my mind always works. What's the end game? What's the big picture? And so I'm looking. I say, okay, I could do her job, but then what? You know, okay, her boss. Do I want his job? Not really. I have no passion for it, no heart for it. Then, okay, do I want to run this company? Never. Okay, so now the only place I'd want to go is one step up from where I am. I still have to work for people that I don't trust. I have to work for people that make stupid-ass decisions that make no sense. Case in point, we owned our own servers. They were literally in our building. We're an Internet-based company where doctors are uploading their files to us. We do our reports. We do our readings. We do what we do in the different departments, and we send it back to them. The server died. Now, we had a backup. We had backups. We They were smart. But in this particular case, whatever happened, it was taking a full literal 24 hours around the clock to fix it. And, of course, clinics are calling. They can't log on. The website doesn't exist. They can't do their thing, and they're freaking out. And the decision the company made was to say, oh, yeah, there's, there, yeah we're working on it. It should be up. You know, something's going on. We'll, we're, we're sorry for the delay. And basically lying to them. And I immediately told my boss, like, what the flying fuck are you talking about? Why would we not just say, hey, our server died. We are literally have people flying in from other states with hardware. They brought us the backups physically. They're working around the clock to get this fixed. Within the next 24 to 48 hours, it will be up. We're doing everything we can to help you and to make sure your business is good. I think every business we would have had, we had then, would have understood that because we're working for you. We're not lying to you. We're telling you we're sorry. This is what's happening, and we're we're on it. But instead, we lied to them for two straight business days, and we lost business out of it, and it it broke me. At that point, I went, "Fuck you." I'm here because I'm getting paid to be here. So all that plays into there's no progress to be made. There's nowhere nowhere for me to go to grow, to influence, to to find my path to greatness, right? And I'm just miserable. And I am find myself at the same time my wife is telling me and my, my best friend Douglas is telling me at the time, you you know you've told me that story before, right? I mean I'm getting I'm doing a show with them essentially. I'm like, oh, you know this time. Mom's like, yeah, you you told that story yesterday. Oh, okay, sorry. You know Douglas. Oh yeah, that reminds me. You know, and I'm going into show mode. I'm telling the story. And I'm performing because I'm a natural born storyteller. I'm a performer. I need that. And I was doing that to them, and 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 they just kept nicely, but kept saying, "You, this is like the fifth time you've you've told that." I I, I know. Well, I got to do something here. What do I have to do? And I all my bad decisions with the band, all my bad decisions with podcasting, had always been without consulting my wife. And I felt like I needed a creative outlet. I needed to come back to podcasting. I felt the siren song, right? I felt it pulling me to it. And I was like, oh, but that 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 cost me before. That made me make bad decisions. Well, I'd made a lot of growth in that time. And so I talked to my wife. It's almost it's almost a year to the day of quitting everything, going to work for this company, 
and just focusing on making money for my wife, for my family, rather, to, to provide. It wasn't about making money. It's about actually stepping up and making them first and providing for them. And when I came back to my wife, I thought she was going to be mad at me. I was nervous. I was like, because I, I really feel like I need this. And you also have to understand from a human standpoint, when you need something, when you feel like you, it's in there, you feel vulnerable. You feel like maybe you're incorrect, especially if you're like me and you made bad decisions related to it beforehand. You you feel like you know this is what you need. You know you, you, you want to do this. But you also understand that somebody you care about deeply could say, uh, no, that's stupid or that's wrong. And then you feel vulnerable. So I, I was like that. I was like, baby. I remember we were standing in the kitchen in the old house. And I remember exactly how she was standing. And I was coming into the kitchen. And I said, okay, you know how I'm always telling the stories over and over? Even Douglas is saying the same thing. He's like, yeah, you do that a lot. I'm like, yeah, I know. And I'm sorry. I really feel like I need a creative. And she goes, I'll stop you right there. Just go do it. Get you a podcast. Go back to doing it. We'll work out the details. You know, let's work together on a, a schedule. And I'm like, oh, really? And awesome. And that's where bear crawling started. That's when bear crawling was born because I was thinking about what do I want to do? Because before the first show I did was a zoo crew. Let's just be funny and wacky and say horrible things because it's the internet and we can't. And it's called uh, pulling my pot. <laughs> and it's very, I mean, I'm blunt. I'm on the nose. It was very much, we called it mental masturbation for your ears. And, and we just did dirty jokes and, and think the man show meets morning radio with no censorship. That's what my brother not brother in law and I did, and then I did another one because I felt like that was way too shallow. I really want to dig in and tear apart the sacred cows and really figure out why we do the shit we do and this and that. So I did a show called What I Believe, and I did it with somebody who saw the world very oppositely of me, or so I thought. I mean, he was a gay man, openly gay man. He was a New Englander, and I'm a Southerner. And he, like, believed in evolution, and I believe that we don't know jack shit about what really what went on, to be honest. Yeah, I don't argue with anybody about it. I just, I love science is, is observation and, and recreatable things. And yet people are like, evolution, fuck creation, that's just made up. Evolution is science. I'm like, evolution is, is technically not science because you can't observe it. I mean, the the heart of that here's what we did the, the great show that we did kenty and i it was about evolution and we got down to well evolution just means change over time and while we said we couldn't really solidify either or you know creationism versus evolutionism as far as how the world started we could say people do grow they evolve things technology evolves things do change so the concept of evolution is absolutely provable it's just when you start saying Dinosaurs were millions and millions of years ago. There, to me, there's been so many ins and outs of how to prove that. I'm like, why? Why do we stand on something we can't just? I can prove this desk is here. I can touch it. Does it change my everyday life? No. Does how it was put together change how I'm even doing the show? No. And that was what the heart of what I believe is. It kind of came out of the movie Dogma. Beliefs start wars, but ideas change the world, and that was kind of what we were doing there. And I did those two shows, but they were two separate things, right? With the zoo crew morning thing and the the serious, let's, let's tear stuff apart. 
Well, as you can see, Rock got a podcasting. I mean, those are aspects of who I am and it's stuff I really want to dig into because I want you to start thinking about things. I want you to stop believing in shit and start thinking about things and having ideas and living on principles, right? I, I reference the universe quite often. I heard somebody the other day use the term God's universe because to me it doesn't matter if you believe in God or you don't. You If you don't acknowledge there's something else at work going on, then you're gonna you're gonna miss something somewhere. And that's a bad place to live. And if you're listening to me, you've gotta believe that there's something bigger out there. And what I mean by that is is I okay, let me just focus it in. It's it's, it's similar to the secret. It's very much a mixture of religion of, of faith, rather, faith and the secret and other stuff you want to put in there. But what you focus on is what you get. And taking responsibility for your choices absolutely is important. Because the choices you make do steer your life. And what you focus on gets you there. To me, there's a bigger thing at play, right? Right? So, you know what? That's not what this show is. Wipe that. I'm going to go down a deep rabbit hole that I might not get myself out of. My point is, bear crawling started when I couldn't find happiness at work, I may, or I'm sorry, when I couldn't find progress at work, I found happiness because when I was learning something, when I was getting somewhere, I'm happy because I'm progressing. It's like playing a game and leveling up. I'm happy. But then there wasn't a grind because there are games that you grind. You have to go over here and do this and then you can level up. And it takes longer and longer to level up. Those kind of things. There was none of that at work. Once I realized very quickly, I don't want where this is going. I have zero desire for this. I could absolutely do it better than anybody goddamn doing it right now. Other than my boss, Barbara Kublasing, who was amazing. She was one of the best bosses I ever had. She helped me grow as a person. She helped me uh, um, really get some definition on where I wanted to be and how I wanted to do things. Amazing boss and great friend and uh, uh, love her to death. She did the job well. But other, above her, she and I both could do work circles around them. So then I'm like, okay, no progress. There's no progress there. And now I'm unhappy because I'm in a place that I perceive I'm focusing on that I'm a lion in a cage that wants to hang themselves with their tie because I'm miserable. And that's how I saw it. And that's very important. Those words are very important. That's how I saw it. And there would be days, there would be days that after hours, because I worked a, an evening shift. So I'm there partially when everybody's in the office, and then most everybody left. And I remember one specific day. I don't remember what the decision was, but there was some decision, something happened with the company that pissed me off, that was so stupid, so anti-customer service, which at my heart, I'm very customer service. That's why I love doing motivational stuff. That's why I love sharing my stories and hope that maybe you take something out of this and it changes your life or teaches you something you want to learn. Because at my heart, I'm life service, right? I want to give you the best experience possible. I want the best experience possible, but I'm not selfish. I'm willing to share the best experience possible with everybody. And every customer service job I've had, if you let me do it my way, I'm fucking awesome at it. Because when you come in, I, I, a little side story just popped in my head. I used to work for 
Sears Automotive. Right, I had been work. Actually, I've been working for Chick Fil A at the time. Is right after college. I'm gonna take another drink of my coffee. It's right after college, and I'm working for Chick Fil A in a mall, which is <laughs> this is a beast of itself. And I did well with it. I was always I had regulars. I'd learn their names. It's, it's something I do, and I am somewhat. I have some difficulty remembering names sometimes, but I'm, I tend to make notes. I tend to identify things, and over and over within reason quickly over and over again, I remember who you are. And that just makes people feel special, right? And it's just a small little touches of, of customer service. And I had this one regular commission, I'd love for you, I'd love you to come work for me in my department. I'd love you for you to come over here. Well when I got tired of working fast food, when I realized that again there was going to be no progress to be had there. I had no desire to take the steps to go and realize Okay, uh, very quick, you might not know this about some franchises, but with Chick-fil-A specifically, you're an owner, but you don't own it. They have the right to take it away from you if they don't like what you're doing, if you don't give them the numbers they want to see. And I got to see that firsthand, and it blew me away, that this owner, this guy who put so much of his own money into opening a second location, and he was doing this and that, that one day corporate ties just showed up, corporate suits just showed up, and the next thing I know, he's leaving the building, and all of a sudden we have a, a stand-in manager who's going to run both locations. And I, I was like, "Why?" And they wouldn't really tell me, other than he just wasn't doing the numbers they wanted. Now, there's probably there was probably more that went into it, but this is my limited outside experience. But the concept was, uh, what? He's the owner. He put his own personal money into it. Your brand backed him up, and this and that. But somehow he's not doing exactly what you want. You can just take it away. And that was a that shattered because I thought at that time I put my money in, I own it, done. And that shattered that concept. So when that concept shattered, I'm like, okay, I don't want to be here anymore. There's nothing for me here. Well, yes, I can become a manager. Yes, I can go to your school and run a store. Yes, I might even make enough money to buy my own part of your franchise, but it's never going to be mine. And that's never good enough for me. It ha- everything I do has to be mine. That's the only way. That's the only way I can work. Now, that's, that was where the seed of that concept was planted. And so I went to work for Sears Automotive, and here's where I, where I left them. And this is the end of my customer service story going right back into finding progress and finding happiness. Is They loved me because I was customer service oriented. And they said, oh, this and that. Well, they paid on commission on sales. I mean, there's a base rate, and then there's commission. Okay. I can, I can, I've never done that before. It sounds like shit to me. And it is. Paying on commission is a really shitty way of doing things because, the, to me, the concept of and that Now, for those of you who have never seen this show or those of you who have never listened to this podcast before, thank you for tuning in for 30 minutes now. Uh, but I, this is what I do. I find stories. I find little concepts that really build up my bigger concept as I go along. It's a little bit of a wandering path. Hopefully, it's enjoyable and entertaining to you. It gets you where you want to be. And I keep messing with my microphone. I do apologize for that. It even bothers me that I touch my microphone so much. I don't know why. I just get so much energy talking about this show or on this show. So this is what I do. So now I'm going to finish up my little side story on my side story of my side story and get back to my main topic of finding progress and finding happiness and how the two are related. But for me, this is all related, and hopefully you can put all the strings together right along. Or at least just be entertained. Uh, or, or, you know, I don't know. Fucking go away. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, turn it off. I mean, it's not for everybody. I, 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 that's all I can say. 
So, Sears Automotive, they paid on commission. Commission is horrible because the concept to me is, well, you work hard, you get paid big. Bullshit. It, it leads to skeezy practices. It leads to, we've all had the bad salesman, right? The biggest one in general, the generic term, are you a car salesman? Because that's what car salesmen are. If I understand it right, for most places, you don't make a dime unless you sell something. That's bullshit. Because now you got people pressuring, you got people pushing, you got you got tactics and this and that and the other. That that's the opposite of what this world was built on. This world was built on trade, bartering, mutual benefit is what the entire world was built on in general. Yes. We know even in the Bible times, there are people who put extra weights, bad weights on their scales. There's always going to be scammers. There's always going to be skeezy assholes. There's always going to be cheaters. But at its heart, otherwise it never would have survived. The open market, the true, you know, you go to an open market where it's just booths and stuff. Uh, We call it farmer's market in America. But I know there's just open markets in places. That concept was built on, I have something, I'm going to show up, I'm going to try to sell it to some people. Trade it with some people. Hey, you got two goats. I got three chickens. Let's trade. Let's do a deal. Actually, that sounds like a really shitty deal because the goats are way worth more way than, well, I don't know. Long-term chickens are putting out eggs. You know, whatever. Mutual benefit is where market came from. And somehow it's turned into capitalism where we just sell our shit and free market. And that's, and not our, of course, all over the world, it's not like that. There's different markets. But what I'm saying is, Fucking commission is the worst fucking possible way to motivate anybody. What you really are being lazy about is not figuring out who is actually good at what they're doing and rewarding them for it. I'm amazing at customer service. But what this job, Sears Automotive, wanted me to do was pressure and upsell everybody. I got at least two write-ups for not upselling enough. That's not customer service. Customer service is you come in to me. What do you need? Oh, yeah, man, I could absolutely get you there. And, hey, you know what? To be honest with you, maybe you don't need this high-end something. You're welcome to buy it. I would love you to buy it. You can buy this $300 per tire package. Or, you know what? There's this one that is really just as good. It's a bit of an off-brand, but I'm telling you, I use it on my own car. It's really it's going to save you $200 per tire to put on your car. And a lot of times, oh, man, thanks for looking out for me. And they will come back, and they will come back, and they will come back again. But when you go, I, I really just want the the 60. I saw you had a tire on sale, $40 a tire. Well, I'm sorry, it doesn't really, there's a limited sizes. It doesn't fit your car. But let me try to sell you this $300 tire, which is what Sears wanted. Yeah, that's what people react to. Yeah, I don't, don't want to do that. And that's upselling. And that's shit. And that's not customer service. And that's where I, I never would find progress, right? I never could find progress in those kind of situations because, well, I can tell you, hey, I'm going to tell you, you're buying this computer. You might want to get the insurance with it because if anything happens, if you spill a Coke on it, and I can tell you, me being a computer guy, I've actually spilled liquid on three of my laptops out of the 50 that I've had in the last, since computers were affordable you know, 20 years or whatever. I can tell you, get this insurance so no matter what happens, it's replaced. That's no problem. But when you're buying a... Anyway, I, I digress. I digress. I digress. My point is, I'm here to help. And commission and selling never helps anybody. 
So the concept of being unhappy. I'm in this job. I'm at CardioNet and PDS Heart, whatever you call it, where I'm in the office and this decision would come down and it pissed me off. And I remember I just pace. I would just pace back and forth. Just worked up. Just uh, so mad. I would just pace like a beast in a cage. And I even wrote that when my one year, my one year review was coming out. I wish I had a copy of this. I, I really do. I wrote this letter about my one year review about all that, about how I think they make bad decisions and about how I need to speak my mind if I'm even going to stay here and how I feel trapped and this and that and the other. And my boss, Barbara, was so good. She never sent it up to the bosses because it did turn out the bosses couldn't hear shit. They're assholes. But she got it. She goes, no, I get it. But there's no, are you crazy? That was her thing. She'd always, are you crazy? She's like, I can't, you can't say that to them. They will fire you. And I'm like, I don't care. She goes, well, I care because I need you here. So I'm going to put this in a file somewhere and hold on to it. Or maybe she threw it away. I can't remember. But I'm not ever going to let them see it. I went, and I was already starting to learn because of the influence she had on my life and how customer service is good relationships. How she had proven over and over again that she was actually looking out for my best interest. I had gotten to a point where she, when she goes, I'm going to stop you. It wasn't telling me no. It was instantly. I Because when people tell me no, I was like, fuck you. I'm going to do it anyway. You can't stop me. But it was, okay, I feel. And that's the key. I feel that you are actually looking out for me. Well, I believe what I said is 100% true. Is the rock got a podcasting coming out of me. It was blunt. It was to the point. It was true. And I was right. That didn't mean they were going to keep me employed because of it. I felt like she was looking out for my best interest. And I ended up staying there another six years. But at that point, I go, okay, I've got to do something. I am going crazy. It's driving me crazy. I've actually put out for other jobs. It, it's, it's, my life is uh, right now. So I then get to the point where I talk to my wife. I'm looking for happiness. If you can't, if you're unable to find progress, find happiness. And so there was no progress to be made there, right? And so I started the podcast. I started thinking about what am I going to do? And I thought about what are my happiest moments in the office? Well, my happiest moments in the office is when I throw in the holy hand grenade, right? I hear people talking religion. And they're going, and I'll just say, well, what do you guys think about this idea? Chick, throw in the holy hand grenade, boom, and watch the fallout of these bullshit ideas just get torn apart by each other because they're, they're fucking bullshit with what they were arguing about. And I went, okay, that sounds like trolling. And it really was. Sometimes it was. Sometimes I, I, sometimes I like to watch the world burn if I'm bored. I mean, it, it's true. It's a downside to me, but it's absolutely true. Uh, stirring the shit pot, as uh, one of my other EMS partners used to say. She's like, you, you, like to, you like to take your shit stick and stir that pot every once in a while. I'm like, yeah, because I think people are wrong. I think they're stupid, and we need to change the conversation. So I, I do enjoy, or at least I did, I, I try – to get my enjoyment from elsewhere. Now, I try to really change minds when minds are open to be changed. But then, I absolutely got my kicks out of taking a big old stick of shit and stirring a pot of soup and saying, there, now eat it, and watching shit fall apart because I was right. And so I thought about that. I thought about that. So, okay, I like this, but I really want... What I really like more than just throwing in the grenade is having the open discussion, having somebody who can hear my ideas that are different and go, okay, I hear you. I absolutely see where you're coming from. And actually, I think part of what you're saying is right. But here's a little different idea that I think is right. 
and having an open discussion of different ideas and be able to respect that no matter what, at the end of the day, that we both can walk away going, we respect each other. That's what I wanted, and that's what I sought out with bear crawling. And then even then, there came to be a point where there's no progress. I mean, very quickly, <laughs> very quickly. I've been talking about this a lot lately, but this has just really fired me up about where I'm going. Because last week I talked about feeling, no matter what I've done, no matter who gets me to whatever level they get me, at some point I feel alone and unloved. What I'm working on is, is feeling unloved, that part of it. Because I realized what some message I got, I, I, I think it came from the church. I think it came from when I thought the church was love and the church would always take care of people because that's what God said to do. I am love. And Jesus said, feed the poor and take care of people. And I always thought that would be the truth because that's the Bible and that's what Jesus said. And I fucking get it. And you don't because you're a goddamn organization and you want to reject people because of their skin color and you want to reject people because they don't fit your mold and you want to reject people because they don't put on a suit and tie. Oh, and you, you want to... You want to kick my family out on the street because we lived in your house. And you kick us out on the street because we refuse to reject people for any reason. Even gay people. My dad, I believe to this day, is unreconciled on this stance. And I actually asked him about it. My uncle is gay. His brother. My uncle is gay. I guess he's a stepbrother, but it's it's neither here nor there. Half-brother? I don't know. They had the same mom. And so he's gay. And my dad loved his brother. He loved his brother. But he's also a Baptist preacher and who believed that that being gay was a sin. Which is something I never truly believed. I can talk about that. I, dude, here's how this show goes. Ask the question. Now, Laura has a question in the, the chat that I really want to get to. But it didn't even have to be live. Ask a question. I talked about this at the beginning of the show. Email rgop at charlesmcfall.com. Uh, go to the website. You can leave a speak pipe message, uh, com. Leave your voicemail, those kind of things. Bearcrawling at gmail.com. However you find me, message me with your questions. That's what drives this show. That's what's going to make this so much better and a much better experience for you and for me. But I could tell you how I came from being in a Baptist preacher's home, growing up in a Southern Baptist church, how I got from there to when a gay marriage was legalized to have one of the biggest posts I ever made, the biggest interactions I ever did, was something like over 500 comments and posts. And, and I know that's not a big deal for, like, celebrities and stuff. But for me, that was a big deal. It wasn't the number. It was that I was able to finally goddamn interact on a subject and really get to talk one-on-one with people who are opposite of me or who back me up and say, this is, this is it, clarity. This is, it. this is how we change the conversation. By talking to each other. How I went from being a Baptist preacher's home to actually thinking being sin, uh, being gay was a sin and hating gays to saying on the day that the Supreme Court said it's legal across the United States to be married for me to say, if you fucking talk negative about any of this shit, I will unfriend you and you're a piece of shit. And how, so how I went from there to there. That's a question that I would love somebody to ask. And bring it out. I'd love to give the sex talk. You know, I, I think I have one of the best sex talks out there for kids. I actually just added a piece to it the other day talking to my son. But I have to know you're ready for it. So you have to ask about the sex talk. Uh, because I think as a parent, it will help you. 
communicate with her kid better. And I think uh, it'll at least make you laugh. It'll make you a little uncomfortable because that's part of it. But it's going to make you entertained and laugh. And, and I think that's something I'd love for somebody to ask about. So ask about those things. So I was thinking about everything I wanted to do with bear crawling. And I always need that progress, right? And I got in there. I was making progress, making progress. And got I thought progress was being busy and spinning wheels. And it just got way too big, way too fast. And I talked about how it came down to it. But talking about the unloved part, that's what I was talking about. I have to take care of that part in my life because I think the feeling alone is okay. I actually talked to Jim Twilley himself. Uh, he's a good friend of mine and love him to death. And it just happened to be hanging out with him. And he's a, he's pain, he has a painting studio in public now. And I was hanging out with him in the studio. And it just came out. I was like, hey, you know what? As a visionary, as somebody who's like me, who just has out there concepts and you see the world differently and you're striving to change the world and bring people to your awareness of what you see, do you ever feel alone, no matter who gets you? Goes, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You just get used to it. And I was like, oh, and just that little phrase. Because we're for us, that's talking light. That's keeping on the surface. We're just making small talk. And you got to understand, Jim Swilly and I, we just always think deep. We always think about the universe. We always have 5,000 things going on in our heads about what we want to do. We're both creative people. We're both people who want to change the world with our, our words and we see things differently and we're visionaries like okay if look up visionary google it if you don't understand what that is but we're visionaries beyond visionaries we're people who actually change the course of history i mean i could go into so many different things about how i've changed little things in people's lives and chase nicole nicole because she met me and we're doing music she got to do a whole lot of fun stuff and change the path of her life but she met her husband through me that in itself changes history, right? That in itself changes the future. Just little things sometimes. So he and I being these visionaries, being these people that that touch the universe and we're trying so hard to make a dent in it with everything we do, our light talk where most people are like, hey, did you see the game last night? Hey, you know, how's the weather? You know, light office talk for myself and Jim Swilly. Light office talk is – Hey, as a visionary, did you ever feel alone? Do you ever feel like no matter how much many people get your idea that they just don't get it and you feel alone? That's our light talk. And just him being light, me being light about it, I just talked. I, I did. I just blindsided him and said, hey, do you ever, do you ever feel that way? He goes, oh, yeah, I feel that way all the time. But you get used to it. That's all I needed for that to be okay. Simple enough. I don't know what it is, but it's simple enough. The, so it's the being unloved part. That is a deep, dark message attached to that feeling that I, I'm working on, obviously. And, and just being able to separate the two made me feel a thousand times better. So <laughs> progress being separated from busyness made me feel a thousand times better because I was so fucking busy with Bear Calling Nation. Rise and follow Bear Calling Nation right there on rockoutpodcasting.com. You can listen to it. That I was just, just losing myself in all of it. And now I've worked for myself for three years uh, almost 2013, yeah, almost four years coming up this August. I've been on my own. And, yes, I've had a work-for-the-man job that helped out. It was part-time a couple of times. But every instance, every step, I was moving towards what I wanted to do. And that was making progress. But when, you, when you're unable to make progress, find happiness. And that's why I got back into podcasting because even if I didn't have anybody listening, and I did end up getting a small audience, a small motivated audience with Bear Calling, 
I, I learned stuff about myself. I found progress. I, I stuff changed my marriage. I found happiness in all the steps with success freaks. It never did what I thought it could do. It never took me where we needed to go. And I realized part of that was because I was changing. I was holding back part of who I am. Because on Success Freaks, one, I had a partner who did see things differently. So we were always intentionally coming, trying to come together in the middle. But sometimes we'd just be opposites and fight each other. And that made for good radio, as we say. But it never felt, for either one of us, I believe, it never felt like it was home, like it should be. We learned a lot of things. It changed both of our lives. But both of us were changing parts of who we are in a negative way to be with each other on a show. So in separating it, I believe Morden got happier. I've seen him do some stuff. I've seen him be less stressed around me. For me, it was the birth rock out of podcasting, the show. Now, I was the rock out of podcasting from day one. I mean, even before that, if you really dig into my life, like I said, I've always become that legendary person that they're like, holy shit. You know, he says... He says things that I wish I could say, and he's kind of awesome, because I am. <laughs> For those of you on the podcast, I gave a big smile to the camera. <laughs> uh, so there's there's all of that, right? It, it's it's If you're in a job where you go in every day and you hate it, uh, I'm not going to call out names, but I know there's some friends of mine who listen to this. I know one friend of mine actually... Uh, talk to me about being unappreciated. And I think that's a universal thing that you can have in any job is you feel unappreciated. Maybe not. Maybe you feel appreciated, but you also feel limited because you know you could do so much more, but they want you to do this. You're so good at this. We just we just really want you to do this. And that's always killed a part of my soul, to being in those situations, to be unappreciated. I will do... I will go against my nature and do things that would possibly be bad for my family and bad for myself and bad for my personal growth because I feel like you appreciate it. That's how much I want to be loved sometimes. That's how much I want the world to see me and want you to know who I am. And, yes, those are words from the Goo Goo Dolls because I don't want the world to see me, but I believe you can't not do something, right? Go not turn the light on. What are you actually doing? You're turning. You're leaving the light off. Is what you're doing. You're not not turning it on. You know, see, see, it starts getting a little circular. It starts getting messed up. My wife's like, I don't understand what you say. I was like, one day maybe you will. But the idea is you still hear me change my words. And when I change my words with her and use positive words, she feels the, the, the effect of it. Whether or not she understands the concept of you can't not do something. So I don't want the world to see me because I don't think they, they'd understand. When everything's made to be broken, I want you to know who I am. Those words have always, from day one in the 90s, resonated with me. It's made me hurt. It's made me cry. It's made me work harder at what I want to do because I want the world to see me. And I think they'd understand. If you take the knots out of there, I do want the world to see me because I think they'd understand. When everything's made to be broken, and that's exactly, God damn, that's the heart of dogma. That's the heart of how I see the universe. When everything's made to be broken because we believe we believe this is how it's supposed to be. And I can break that because it's made to be broken. The matrix resonated so hard with me because you think that's air you're breathing? And the gist of it was some rules are universal. 
You die in here, you die in the real world. Some rules are meant to be broken. He can fly. He can pop up in one place and answer a phone and disappear. Rules are made to be broken. Some rules are made to be bent. They shoot bullets at him, and he can dodge bullets. He even got to a spot, Neo got to the spot where he could stop bullets. When everything's made to be broken, I just want you to know who I am. I'm the Rock God Podcasting. I am blunt. I see truth as truth. And, man, I am just here to give you the better world that you want, but you have to want it. You have to want it. Oh, uh, uh, what was one where they, Laura, let me put this up for YouTube here. Uh, the chat for uh, record this and put this on YouTube as well. Laura DePooter says in the Facebook chat, what was the one where they started to arrest people based on bad thoughts, future actions? You're talking about minority report and it was on murder. It was the intent to murder. They had had precogs who could, it was such a violent crime that it resonated. See, I don't know if they even used the word resonated, but it basically resonated through time. That that's so harsh is so wrong. It resonated and, Precogs, uh, the people who could see the future, could feel that resonation. They could see murder, and that was that one, where they would arrest people uh, sometimes just mere seconds before they killed somebody else. I like what Laura also says here, but I see that train and incompatible behavior can't have a jumping dog if it's sitting nicely. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I'll go back uh, to the regular broadcast here because I'm going to tackle her question here in just a second. And as I've said before, hour and a half is about my sweet spot. I've been trying to keep Rock God to an hour, but as I get fired up, as I finally grab hold of where I want to go, it's usually a little bit later in the show, and then I go. So it's up to you if you want to ride along. Please, please do. I love you a long time. <laughs> yes, I know. I just use a, a generic Asian prostitute saying as as it's probably a horrible and i apologize to anybody who is from any asian country where that's just offensive uh but sometimes i'm unintentionally offensive because i never intend to piss you off not not in an offensive way i never step on well this is a fr- okay this is a phrase i use now jim's gay and this is uh, that's important only because of his reaction when i was talking to him the other day jim swilly I was like, I said this on the show the other day. I told, I was telling him about it. It's like I said this on the show. He's like, I spent all my life with my mom stepping on my dick, <laughs> and he goes, "Oh, well, congratulations." <laughs> I mean, he's laughing like this. Like, well, I, I, good for you that it's, it's you're so down. <laughs> and I understand that's just a holy shit moment. But sometimes I do say things intentionally to pop, you know. And if you get offended by that, I put NSFW. I'm actually thinking about. Right here on top of the screen by where the microphone says it's putting in big letters NSFW. So if you tune in in the middle of the show live that you go, oh, okay, maybe I should have headphones or maybe this isn't for the car ride home with the kids. I let my I would let my kids listen, but I'm, I'm a different dad. Fatherhood. You can ask me about that, how I treat my kids differently and why and what I do with that. So my point is. I've spent my entire life feeling less than and 
and one off. And so I've always looked for progress because I've always defined myself about how good I can do something. I can go in and I can be the best. I can be the best. You know, people call that millennials. Yeah, you, we told millennials. I've, let me just say for the record, I fucking hate that term because it's as derogatory as homo. It's as derogatory as porch monkey. It, it is just fucking wrong because of how people use it. It came off originally. Every generation gets a name. I'm Gen X, right? But as we get more and more into generations, for some reason, we think it's okay to turn the name of the generation into a derogatory term. And I have never once heard somebody use the term millennial in a sense of just a generational thing. Whereas Gen X, you know, there was Gen Y right after Gen X because that was the generation that asked Y to everything. Well, Gen X, we were challenging the man. We were, we were going, okay, so your job – your idea of working for a living is to get one job for 30 years, 40 years, 20 years in some cases. One job, spend your entire life giving it to them. You retire, you get a pension and a gold watch. And we went, mm, no, that doesn't seem right to us. As a generation, we looked at the Olympics. We looked at sports and went, okay, these sports have been around forever, and there's are these rules, and this is just how it's done. And we went, mm, no. Let's uh, invent skateboarding. Let's do that. Uh, let's invent snowboarding. Let's invent the X Games. Why are they called the X Games? Because Gen X fucking invented it. Well, at least that's what I think. There might actually be a legit story to why it's called the X Games. But that's that's the feeling I got when I saw it was, no, our generation said, fuck you, man. We can do anything. And so we grew up and had kids. And that's the millennials. And we tell millennials they can do anything. And so they really think they, they can and they're not willing to do it. Fuck you. Stop treating human beings like they're less than you, asshat. That is what the generation before you fucking did to a point. And you hated it. And you're doing it. So I fucking hate the term millennial. But I absolutely think that I can do anything. I can. Good, because every time I've tried, I do. Because I think any goddamn human being can. If you have a passion for it in your heart, and instead of going, why not? And instead of going, uh, can somebody show me? You just try something. You can. <laughs> Billy Madison. <laughs> I'm going Billy Madison. You can do it. Uh, Rob Snyder, man. <laughs> you can do it. Extreme Games. Thank you, Carl. He says X Games is Extreme Games. I'll pop that up on, on the YouTube video there. Uh but I still feel, even though you're right, you're right. I do remember that now. You are absolutely right. It's extreme. Memes. It's still, I feel a direct tie to that with Gen X, right? So stop, stop putting people down. Stop it. When you, when you, what's the old adage? When you point at somebody, you got three fingers pointing back at you, you know? <laughs> well, delivery isn't everything, right? Delivery is everything. And, you know, people, people, I make those voices because that's how it's delivered to me. It was stupid. But in seriousness, when you judge somebody, when you go, millennials these days, blah, 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 those kids, get out. You're actually taking away from yourself. You're, you're hurting yourself in doing that. You're making no progress, and you sure as hell ain't happy. So, yeah, there. So, I, I, you, I believe people can do anything. But for me, you always have to make progress in life. If, if. God, I will tell you, I will tell you, I'm the man without fear, but there is something I fight myself on worrying about, and it's the, it's, uh, the sisterhood of the, no, that's the, the Yaya sisterhood, the Yaya sisterhood. 
I watched that movie, and it was a horror movie to me. It was a horror movie to me. One, I love Sandra Bullock. And actually, it's a great movie. It, it, I remember, I've only seen it like twice, but I remember enjoying it thoroughly. But the reason it was a horror film to me is that mom, at the time, that's how I pictured my mom. I felt no connection. I felt like everything I said to her was wrong. I felt like everything she came at with me was wrong. So that mother in the film, Sandra Bullock's mom, who Sandra, if I remember how it opens right, Sandra Bullock is a big-time play director. Something she's re- she's achieved some level of success with what she's doing for her dream, and she's being interviewed by this big magazine for it, and she's going to be on the cover or something like that. And she calls her mom, and her mom just rips it apart and just tears it apart. And I believe that's how the film opens. Well, the, the other part that it was a horror film to me was I'm there with my wife, and I love my wife, and we're young, newly married, and just always touching each other, public displays of affection. We love to sit next to each other. And fortunately now, we're in year 17 of our marriage, and we still love to do that. We, we, still, we still act like newlyweds. We still act like we're dating sometimes. Now, not as much as either one of us would like. Four kids, death in the family, stress of working for yourself. There's a tiredness there. There's a, a thing that, that keeps you down. But we still, we still. my wife hates sometimes I sit on, I sit on the opposite side of the couch sometimes because it's, it's a better place to sit structurally. Um, it, it Anyway, it's, it's no big deal. Well, she kind of hates that. And she will stretch out as long as her short legs can stretch just to touch me. <laughs> and have me rubber feet. But there, there's that. Um, but I'm sitting there in this film, and I see James Garner. And the whole time, he's my dad. And I didn't realize that then, but I realize it now. He's my father who just kind of sits there and... Well, honey, you know, may, you know, maybe, maybe, and just, just getting run over, just getting put aside, and not having a loving connection with his wife. I think at that point in the film, at that point in their lives, they're actually sleeping in separate bedrooms, and it just scared the fuck out of me. That oh my god, that'd be the worst. That'd be the worst fucking possible outcome to my life. Is now my dad, and my mom. As far as I know, still sleep in the same room. They still love each other. But I see there there is a level of something that I, I never could put my finger on, but there's a level of something that I see that I wanted that wasn't there. That I never saw in the relationship. Didn't know it at the time. And you know, now, obviously, as an adult, I can realize a lot of that stuff. But it terrified me. Because at the end of the movie, she there's a, a revolt from the daughters, and this thing happens, and and the mother comes around. Right, the mother comes around, and now now she's a wife, and he finally gets to have his wife back for what amounts to a short period of time. Well, I mean, they're older in life. I mean, they've he's missed so many goddamn years of a loving marriage, and it scared the shit out of me. And there's there's a part of me that it pops up every once in a while. I, it happened in the the time that my wife uh, that that came from that touches the unloved part of my message, right? Too, it, it I always want to be loved. I. I, I I used the term before, I never want to be somewhere I'm not wanted. I would actually change it now to I never want to be somewhere I'm undesired or unloved. I always want to be loved in everything that I do. Always. And I think that's reasonable. I think that's that should be a human thing. And I think that drives everything I do as a boss, everything I do as a company. It drives I want you to be appreciated. 
I want you to come in and love what you do here. And honestly, if I teach you to be better at it and you go off and do another company, that's awesome. That is fucking something that IBM did back in the day when they were Big Blue and were one of the top dogs in the world. I, I wish I could remember the name of the guy that the quote's from, but he was known as a CEO that you, if you became his VP or he's a president, whatever, if you became his, his direct underling, right, if you became attached to him directly, those people would go off to be CEOs of other companies. And he was asked about it, and the quote is, make yourself dispensable. Make yourself replaceable. And that's what he's always doing. He's always training his replacements. And what happens is you become irreplaceable. Those people, either you go on to something bigger, better, better, more that you want to do, or those people that you're training to be your replacements go on to change the world and other big companies and other things. And that is something that fucking the world is so scared of is I have to, I have to be indispensable. No, become dispensable, become replaceable. And I want, I, I work so hard with Paul Klotz to always say, dude, you can do what I do. I want you to be the next me. I want you to, I want that ability to be proud one day that he has stepped up and he did a show that was so much bigger than mine. And he did so much more in a different area than I could ever do. I'm like, man, that's my friend. That's my boy. That's the guy that I was proud to work with. And look at what he did. Be dispensable. That's where progress becomes hard. Because if you're dispensable and you're teaching people, the idea is you're teaching people to replace you. So you are at a spot where people are underneath you. You're, you're reaching out. You're helping. You're educating. You're, you're improving life. That means you're replaceable. That also may mean you don't have progress ahead of you. But if you really look at what progress can be, remember? Remember when I said I viewed myself in the cubicle as being trapped, as being a beast in the cage, as being just miserable. When I went to podcasting, when I went to find my happiness. Now, one, I needed to be in podcasting. I have loved being here. I took one year off, and I've loved being here every step before that and every step since. And it has changed my future greatly to where I can do shows like this. And I can, I was able to support my family fully for one year on, on my podcast skills and the things that I've learned coming up, coming up through the, the ranks. But finding happiness, too, is changing my perception on where I was in that job. I think I started talking about earlier, if you're in a job, you're unappreciated and this and that and the other. I did start talking about that. And I wanted to, the point there was, Find a way to appreciate yourself. You know, for me, it was podcasting. It was, okay, I can get my job done. I'm there for 10 hours. I can get my job done in six and then some. I mean, I blew the work out for them. So they had no problems with me taking my other three to four hours and starting to work on my podcasting empire, starting to develop my skills on production, on learning the newest tech possible, on how to stay ahead of the game, on everything that I do now. In fact, unintentionally, when they shut down the office, they sent me home, which actually taught me a whole nother level of the business of what I do. Because it let me be at home 24-7. And I'm sitting here on one screen and I'm doing my stuff and I'm watching TV, but I'm also scheduling meetings with people. I'm also, also developing ideas and working on shows and figuring out how to do what I do today when I am at home working for myself 100%. So I think you get a lot of that. It's, it's find a way to appreciate yourself. 
Because sometimes you can't just, you're unable to just change your jobs. I know without calling, I, I believe this is a good thing. So for me, it's, I apologize if I cause a problem because sometimes when I believe stuff is a good thing and it's just a fine thing, it's a part of a story, I'll say something and all of a sudden somebody will be like, oh man, we wish you hadn't said that. There was a, definitely a direct incident with this show where that happened and I was, by all means, I didn't understand it. I have no, I, I, I fully believe it was a stupid ass reaction, but I respected that they came to me and asked me for me to change the story. It was an irrelevant piece of the story, so I had no problem going back and cutting it out putting the show back up because it was not 100% relevant to what I was saying to my point. Okay, no problem. If it was relevant, I'm like, no, I'm not doing that. But it was just a thing that I said. And you're, you're listening. You know who you are. And, you, and maybe one day you can try to explain to me why it was fucking important, but it was stupid. But I honored the request uh, because it was a it was a fine request. It Like I said, it didn't change the course of the story. But this has nothing to do with you. This is somebody else. I know Chris Wisdom... He has loved serving in the military. He's in the National Guard now. He has an everyday job. But I know his heart is not there. His heart is in the podcasting, in the fandom, in the stuff that we're doing on Giant Size Team Up Network. And the, not just the creation of the business, but in the media. And and he has helped show me the tagline. One of the taglines, we're coming up trying to come up with the taglines for it, but I think uh, uh, it's where professionalism meets fandom it's where education and laughter because we are fans at heart that's what we do we want we change the conversation instead of hating on everything we love stuff now we'll call it out blah blah blah. go check it out for yourself breaking the panel is an amazing show and that's the one that i'm on with chris wisdom and paul klotz and go check that out if you're into any kind of geekery and comic books and, and those kind of fandom fandom we're a fan show we're a fandom based show we talk about the fandom we talk to the fans and we change how the course of it goes. Because if you know anything about games or comics, you know there's a lot of vitriol and hatred out there. Okay, I'm drinking my coffee for the podcast. And I say that so you, you're not going, did something happen in the recording? And, and because you can see me on Facebook, you can't see me on the podcast. Is what I'm saying. All right, so there's that, you know. Find your happiness, and that's what he's doing. Is he's 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 doing double duty like I did for a very long time of providing for his family. Still enjoys his job, from what I can tell. Still is proud to be a part of that. But I mean, the ma the magic pill would be to win the lottery. Because I found this out at least in the National Guard, or at least what he said to me was, if you win the lottery, they will give you an honorary discharge immediately because they feel like you won't do a great job because you don't need to, right? You're making you've got. Millions of dollars, you don't, you know, that's the magic bullet. But other than that, and he would do it in an instant because that would free him up to chase what he loves, to do what he does with us with John Size Team Up. And that's what I'm saying there is he feels he's fulfilled in his job. There's, of course, there's parts of this job that he doesn't like. There's parts of every job we don't like. And there's parts I love running the Giant Size Team Up network. But there's times when I have to do stuff I hate doing. It's necessary to get where you want to go because of dream world. Well, we always say, right, we always say in a perfect world, and this is where that phrase is, is wrong and, and harmful. In a perfect world, my network would just come together and we'd always take the right steps and we'd always be on the same page with the vision and we'd always just get, <coughs> see, I can't even say it without choking. We'd always just get along. But in a real world, one, you need conflict to grow as human beings. I 1,000% believe that. 
there have been times when I thought that I could, I, and I have learned from other people's mistakes, but there was still conflict. It was their conflict, and I could observe it, and I could observe. I said observe it. <laughs> There's no scotch in my coffee today, uh, and so I don't know why I just misspoke. But I can observe it. I can see it, and I go, okay, I'm going to take steps differently because I see the outcome of your conflict. But conflict was still there to inflict change and inspire change. And I believe that's necessary in life. So he's doing the struggle. He's working that day job and having his hour commute and dedicated to being on the show with us and dedicated to making it the best show possible. And he does the show notes and he loves, as far as I know, because he's really good at writing it, he loves doing that part, which I hate. But I've been doing it for the last six weeks when he's been gone. It's a necessary part. So we all have parts of the job we don't like, right? But they're even part of the dream. But that's, he found happiness instead of progress because he I, I i'm sure being in the military he could have progressed his way up the ranks and become some kind of commander some kind of in charge of battalions i mean he could have done all kind of stuff but here's where he wants to be and he found happiness instead of progress in that area and that's what i wanted to say is changing your perception when i when i finally accepted that i could be happy outside of my job that my job didn't have to bring me every in, instance of happiness I changed my perception, so instead of seeing myself in a cage as a, a trapped animal, I saw I, I got I just re, I just remembered. So here's where I'm gonna leave this. I'm gonna answer Laura's question that she had earlier, and we're gonna end the show. When I when I changed my perception from this job, if I'm gonna be miserable, I might as well make money for my family so we can try to be happy at home because that's how I went into it. Remember. When I change that perception to the perception, then to the perception of, I'm miserable at work and I'm trapped and bleh, I'm going to kill myself with my tie, which I never wore a tie to work ever, but that was the cartoon that I had on the wall. And I took it down eventually. I just want to kill myself with a tie. It's a Dilbert. Actually, I think it's Dilbert. For, it was a Dilbert cartoon about taking a freelance photographer and putting them in a cubicle, if I remember correctly. So you can try to look that up. And I changed that perception to, hey, this job pays me well, and they did. They paid me very well to be a rock star, and I still have the freedom, resources, and time to do what I love to do with podcasting and want to do. This is funding my dream. Literally, those were the words that I put into my head. I took that Dilbert cartoon down. I started going, this job funds my dream, because my dream was absolutely just a dream there. It was 1,000% just a vision of what I can do. It was no way going to give me a clear path at that time to make money. There was no way to support my family. So I went, this job is paying for the dream. And oh my God, fucking changed everything. Everything. Just changing that perception. And that was in me. The job didn't change. My wife didn't change. Podcasting didn't make that happen. It was my thought process what I focused on. And when I said this job, I was so happy in that job. I mean, sure, I had times when I yelled at somebody. I had times when I was pissed off about something, especially when the company wanted me to lie about shit or whatever. There were issues for sure. But it made me so much happier in life that even when the job closed down and then I got to go home. I mean, I didn't know I was going to get to go home and work for another three years. I was like, all right, I'll try to find something else. But I, I think now's the time to see if the dream can be real. If I can take this golden parachute that I'm going to get for being laid off and make the dream happen. 
and I got three more years to build up that parachute and to build up money and to folk and build the dream better and get more clarity on this is how this would work and this is how that would work. Changing your perception can find you happiness when you could never find progress otherwise. So that's the end of that. There is a question or a comment that Laura put up and uh there it is. There it is. and that actually is great. We'll put it on the screen for the YouTube. For the YouTube, because I'm, I'm like that. Uh, and the question is, uh, right here, we'll highlight it to make it easy to see. If everything is easy, can you be happy? I know I need challenges in learning. Now, here's what's interesting, Laura, is you put that up an hour ago, right? You put that up early on in the, the show here, in the discussion. I just saw that had a question mark. I saw that I, I got the gist that you were asking a question. I, so I want to I come back to that because I absolutely want to touch on the live questions. I want you to help shape the show. I didn't read it. I scanned it, saw the question mark, knew it was something I was going to come back to. And what's funny is that's exactly where I ended up, right? That people need conflict to change. When you're, How many times have you seen on TV that an old married couple are just in their routine? The, I, I grew up in the 80s and 90s, so I, the TV shows I saw along those lines where the, the father or the, the husband, whatever, he's sitting at the table reading his paper with his morning coffee. And that's how it was. I mean, I'm watching the Goldbergs now in 2017. I'm watching the Goldbergs, and, you know, they do focus on the dad's habits where he comes in every day, takes his pants off. He fusses that he wants to be in his chair. I just saw an episode. Now I'm a couple seasons behind. I love binge-watching stuff. So I'm in season two. But I saw an episode where the kids played against him having his patterns. So the brother was going to rat on the sister because she wasn't going to do what he wanted. And he kept calling for his dad because his dad's upstairs. His dad hates the stairs. And he didn't want to come downstairs. And so he used that to basically blackmail her into doing what he wanted her to do. And how many times do we see that, right? Complacency patterns they actually i loved this episode of the goldbergs they actually did an episode where the wife found out the mother slash wife whatever found out that he had recycled an engagement ring and it was a big upsetness well then the family because the whole thing is about the, the youngest kid is telling the story as an adult and he is actually the guy producing the show and probably helping write it and this and that and they i love that they use his actual videos from when he was a kid in the 80s and that's the thing. He was always video, videotaping something, right, recording something. And in that instance, when there was an issue between the husband and wife, and, and it was a big one, it was a, a problem, he had video, he made a video for him where it just showed all the little things they each did for each other out of love. That in complacency and in happiness that they had forgotten that they do this. It became routine. Now, sometimes good things can be routine. That's fine. But, Laura, you, you nailed it on the head. I know I need challenges to learn. I need a reason for something to pop into my radar, to be in my universe to go, oh, I want to learn that. I have never, here's an example. I have never learned how to be a professional photographer. I don't know what the F point, F2P, whatever shit is, aperture speed. I know these words, and that's all they are to me is words. However, I am in a situation now where I have to learn at least the basics of what it takes to I don't know, would, would that be an amateur photographer? Because a rank, you know, uh, anybody can take photographs, right? Especially with your phones nowadays and this and that and the other. And all the software does all the shit for you. But to actually step up your game to know aperture speeds and lens stuff and exposure and all this other shit, 
Well, I'm in a situation where I'm doing a broadcast, and what I want, what I want is crystal clarity. It's it's the sharpness that I can get on my phone by sitting there doing a video outdoors, and it, it's HD, and it does all the stuff for me. Well, in the situation I'm in, we can't just have something that does all it for us. So I have to learn it when before I had zero reason to ever learn what that stuff meant. Absolutely. No, if everything is easy, you'll never do shit. That's why kids are spoiled. That's why adults are spoiled. That's why somebody in their dumbass fucking world called 911 Literally, it's on the internet. You can go find it. The recording's out there and everything. They called 911 on McDonald's because, if I remember right, it's basically they weren't getting what they wanted. This is the, the gist of it. I can't remember if they were refused service or if they were out of French fries. It's something fucking stupid. They literally called 911 because what has Burger King and fast food taught us? Have it your way. Have it right away. Have it now. Come in and be easy. Come in and be stupid. Come in and order off the menu. Oh, did I just dial into politics as well? Because fuck you guys. Everybody who thinks, oh, no, you know, it's a system. No, you've been taught to order off the menu. That's why a home-cooked meal is so fucking important. That's why actual chefs at a restaurant, especially, or even work, even better, rather, personal chefs who, who design something for you, that's why they make so much money because... The non-thinkers, the non-challengers, the non-growers order off the menu. Sometimes that's okay in life, but that's complacency. There's no challenges in that. There's no need to, all you have to do, do I, do I want a taco or do I want a hamburger? And then you go to the place and you just fucking order it. Or you experiment and you get online you find some recipes and you figure out the hard way how to do it yourself. That's challenging and learning. And there you go, Laura. You, 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 that question early on somehow predicted exactly when we're, uh, what, where we're going. Oh, that, I love this one too. She puts in, uh, or the lady who called the cops because her drug dealer went up on the price. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. It's people, man. They're awesome. They're awesome. So I hope, I hope you enjoyed this episode. I hope that. You loved everything about it because I loved everything about it. <laughs> uh, want you to come out live if I can, if I get, and that's something I would love to get to is a regular schedule. So, you know, it's every Monday at two o'clock or whatever. We'll get there. Honestly, I just had my Sunday night get go away. I think it'd be fun to do it every Sunday night. People are home. They're, they're done with their day. I can have my scotch out. I mean, I, I can drink scotch anytime I want. I talked about it. It's an arbitrary fucking number. But uh, it, it'd be a different feel. I'm thinking that might have just opened up for me universally. Uh, uh, <laughs> that's a whole other topic, Laura. Topic, okay, so I'm going to put this out. So for you guys to send me a question, Laura, if you want to phrase it as a question and email it to me or, or message me, do it. This is what she just posted. Depending on the place you see ordering at, the menu may be challenge enough for the workers. Come on, $15 an hour. And she put sarcasm. And what she's touching on is minimum wage. and uh, But see, to me, I would love to talk about that because it's not just about minimum wage. And, and it, there's so much more there. It's why I fucking hate Walmart and why I definitely hate McDonald's. And I mean, I'll eat at McDonald's sometimes where I hate to shop at Walmart. 
but it is it's, it's about value for people. And God, she's right because there are people so many times go in. I'd like the the number two, whatever that is on the menu. I'd like the number two. Uh, look behind. I mean, they won't even look behind them to see what the fucking number two is. I don't have time for that today. That's a whole other show. But if somebody, if you would like to see me talk about that, I would love to go off on that and talk about that and how we can change it. And that's that's always the inferred. Okay, I'm rock out of podcasting. Is whatever I'm going off on or discussing, dot, 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 and how we can change it is always there because that's the important part. Anybody can bitch about shit. That's what talk radio is, just bitching about shit all day long. Oh, this side's wrong. Oh, this side's wrong. Oh, that side's wrong. Oh, you know, that changes nothing. We have to change the conversation and get to and how can we fix it by changing ourselves, by whatever. That's what we need. All right, so that's been the Rock Out of Podcasting today. God, I love you guys for coming out. And you know what? I'd be willing, I'd be open to a good time. I think Sunday night for me, or maybe Saturday night, uh, might be good. But definitely Sunday night, I already had a gig, so my family's used to me being gone. I can easily do a show, come down here at maybe 8 o'clock. But I'd love your feedback on that. RockOutofPodcasting.com. Leave your speak pipe message. There's a contact form right at the bottom. Everything is made so you can get to me easily. Facebook.com forward slash rock out of podcasting. Tag me. Message the page. Come and comment on stuff. Bearcalling at gmail.com is my personal email. Uh, RGOP at charlesmcfall.com because charlesmcfall.com has everything that I do, all the shows, all the links. Everything is there. Uh, you can hire me to be a speaker. That is there as well. I would love to come and speak somewhere about communication is my heart. Everything. You can define the topics like, hey, can you talk on how to have our employees be more effective? Yeah. It's still going to come down to communication, how the bosses communicate with you, how you work together, treating people like humans, value for value. I would love to come speak on that and get paid for it. Ting. You know, because on TV, if I smile big, there's a little ting that comes off the, the teeth, right? <laughs> a little lens flare off my teeth. Um I would love to do that. CharlesMcFall.com is how you can find out uh, how to hire me and all that jazz. And I am going to do this every week. This fires me up so much. I love Facebook, man. I love how this is going now because at least one or two of you can come out and I feel like I'm interacting with somebody and I know it lives for a while right here. YouTube.com. Charles.McFall, I believe, is the link. It could be C-K-Y-M-N-S-T-R. Just look up Rock Out of Podcasting on YouTube. That link is on, on uh, RockOutofPodcasting.com. It is there. It goes to the right place. So you can find me anywhere you want to be. Podcast. You can listen to this on the go. It's there on every catcher that you can find. Just look up Rock Out of Podcasting. Of course, it's on iTunes. You can rate me. You can go put comments in there. And You know what? I'm going to talk about iTunes one day about how some fucktards use it as a sounding board, and you can go fuck yourself. But that's not on Rock Out of Podcasting. Here, if you leave me an ugly review, I will read it on the show, and I'll probably say some shit about it. And, yeah, that might feed the trolls, and that might get old for the audience. So I'll stop at some point. But right now, this is my show, and it goes the way I want it to go. All that jazz is great. I am going to get all my stuff set up here uh, to clear the show off. Because, again, you know, this is Facebook. It is, uh, <laughs> it is what it is. So I have to get some stuff prepared uh, as I get ready. But thank you again for listening. Thanks, Mike, for being back in. He did have to leave early. But, Mike, having you in here, 
uh, again, makes it feel so good, man. I love for him to be the voice of the people asking the question of you guys. And if you want to use your own voice, again, there's a speak pipe right there on Rock Auto Podcast and don't, dot, don't come. <laughs> Shit. Don't come. There you go. Dot com is what I'm trying to say. So I love you all. I love you all. Go out and speak clearly to somebody. Tell somebody what you truly mean today, this week, when you hear it. Uh, I have no problems telling my boys I love them. And I don't mean my sons, which that's also true. I actually had a situation with a friend of mine that I had to say some very blunt and, and straightforward hard things. But I had no problem easily going, I love you, man. That's why you're here. You're awesome. Tell somebody that you truly love them, even when you're angry at them. Because what's the truth? And this is the last piece of advice I'm going to leave you with before I get out of here. What's the truth? My wife, used to, we would get in fights when we're dating. It's a natural thing. And she'd go to, not hang up on me, but we'd be done with the conversation. And I'd say, I love you. And there'd be silence. I'm like, okay, I know you're mad at me. I'm mad at you, but do you not love me? Oh, no, I love you. Then let's say it, because I was active in the EMS. I was super overdramatic. I've, I am dramatic now, but I've toned it down. I was really overdramatic. It's like, I could go out and get killed today. You could get in a car wreck. Let's not let the last thing we say to each other be the fight. If you love me, say you love me. And so she did. And she has every time. I mean, we've hung up on each other. We've been human beings. Please understand that. I am I am no idol that does everything perfectly. But by all means, we work at it. So to everybody listening, I love you all. Go and tell somebody how you feel. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.